And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. It's a man out! A man out! Now we're recording. Now we're recording our 100th episode of the Movie Madhouse. Thank you guys so much for being here. You just got to watch Compound Fracture. What, was, what did you think? Awesome. Awesome? Yeah, general consensus? Cool, because Tyler Mayne's out there and he likes to hear that. I liked it. <laughs> you liked it? I liked it. Yeah, well, there we go. From a fan. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. our... Are you ready for uh, your punishment that you're, you earned last night? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Talk into your mic, dude. What's that? Talk into your mic, dude. I am talking into my mic. There you go. Yeah. No, I'm still bringing me up a little bit more here. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so for those that don't know, uh, we are the members of the Movie Madhouse. Uh, that's Jason, Mike, Hi. and I'm Rob. Uh, we have been doing 100 episodes now. Yep. If you ever want to hear us, it's at themoviemadhouse.com. It's anything and everything movies. We like to interview as many people as we can. And today, we get to interview... No, not these people. <laughs> but we could. Live yes. St- this is our first live studio audience. Yes. Woo. <laughs> and they, live, yes. Live audience. Woo. Yeah. They totally came here to see us. So let's shut up and get Tyler in here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Any... Time now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna periscope this, so give me a minute here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does everybody know what periscope is? No. See, I just found out too. Apparently, it's a live telecast thing you can do on your iPhones. It's through Twitter. It's through Twitter. Through Twitter. Oh, see, I didn't know that either. Yep. You can log on to this thing and, and look up people, and they'll be broadcasting stuff. I you showed me it was one of the guys from Comic Book Men, and now it's me. It's live this is a stream via audio Twitter. podcast, dude. I don't do pictures. <laughs> now it's a video. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't like to be on camera because he didn't do his hair today. Yeah, I know. I rushed out of the house. It's all flyaway. Now, so, we're apparently, did Tim? He was here. He, he's, he was he's in outside. the building. Does he have a theme song that he needs played? Oh, oh. maybe that's what it is. Um, maybe he's texting me. Change my mind, don't want to come out. Nope, it's not him. <laughs> okay, you know what? Just a second. Okay. Amuse the people, Mike. Amuse. And poke fun so, at Jason. That's what we do. Whenever we get an opportunity, we just abuse Jason relentlessly. He likes it. So you can... I wouldn't say I like it. You've been around. I put up with it. You've been around. I for, accept it. You've been around for 100 episodes. You like it. Oh, look, everybody. Tyler Maine. Tyler Maine. Because he's afraid. <laughs> yeah, we thought we should get him away from you. <laughs> All right. Now everybody here just got to watch Compound Fracture. Oh, what did you guys think? You liked it? All right, very cool, very cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's the first picture through my production company, Main Entertainment. We've got another one coming out. We're going to be doing it hopefully uh, this fall. It's uh, called Penance Lane. It's going to be more of a horror thriller. But uh, Compound Fracture was written by my uh, wife and myself and uh, produced by us. Uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. What did it take to get that cast together? Because Derek Mears, Muse Watson. like those well, are... well, Derek Mears is a drinking buddy of mine, so he, he was uh, really easy to get. <laughs> it was actually kind of, he lives a block and a half away from me. And we're in staggering distance, which is good. <laughs> so um, he was over at the house one day. And uh, he's big into MMA fighting. And uh, we were having some drinks. And I said, hey, you want to fight me? He goes, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I go, no, 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 we're going to do it in a movie. He goes, oh, you prick. <laughs> but I got it. that's how I got him into the movie. He was the first person I got into the movie. I always wanted to work with Derek. I've known him for, oh, God, I don't know, 100 years. Yeah. And uh, so that was our first time to work together. And it was kind of funny working with him because uh, – he is a true professional, you know, he's a stuntman, hardcore, and, and does crazy stuff. Like when he did that fall uh, on onto the concrete there, 
he just did it. He goes, you want me to do it again? I'm like, oh, God, no, that probably hurts. <laughs> no, I don't want you to do it again. But uh, we started working with each other, and it's kind of like when, you do it, when you're choreogra- choreographing a fight for a movie, it's like a dance. You want it to look as vicious as possible, and you want it to flow. And working with him, it was just, we got into the first sequences, and we go, boy, you know what you're doing? He goes, you know what you're doing. This is going to be fun. So then it was, it was just a lot of fun working with him. And everybody else in the cast, I just called a bunch of favors and said, hey, we're making a movie. You guys want to come and play? And they showed up. Yeah. See, I know Muse Watson. I think I spoke to you in an interview about it, but I know him from NCIS. Yes. I never really got to see him. I saw uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer when it first came out, but I haven't seen it since. So right. I don't associate him with that character. So even then, we're trying to see him as Frank from NCIS. This is a completely different role for him. Yeah. But he does an amazing job. He is a fantastic actor. He's a great guy. Uh, he was just at the house the other day uh, having supper with us. Yeah. He's a good dude. My ex-father-in-law would kill for that. that that's one of his favorite characters from NCIS. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Now, if anybody has any questions, Jason's over there with the mic. Go on over. Get your questions in because this is what this is about. Yeah, Q&A, question and answer. You guys have questions? I got answers, maybe. <laughs> First thing I'd like to see if you can do, if you could open that box and pull out a ticket. We're giving away an autographed copy of your movie to someone that was in here watching it. Oh, okay. So they all have tickets. Watch, I won't be able to open the box. <laughs> okay, you guys all got your tickets ready? Let's see who wins. Trying to be <laughs> without the look in the end. Yeah, yeah, you know, trying to be. Uh, okay, what do we got here? We've got zero six six. I think four five nine five. I won. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on up. There you go. Congratulations this is for him. Woo. There you go, and it's already autographed. Enjoy. There we go. So now. You've got a career that goes over a bunch of different things. Like, you started out in wrestling. Yes, I did. What made you get into wrestling? I tell you, I grew up in Saskatchewan. Don't hold that against me. (laughs) I was a uh, tall, skinny kid, glasses and braces. And I always wanted... I I started into martial arts, and I always wanted to be a pro wrestler. I'd watch Stampede Wrestling every Saturday morning, and I'm like, I'm going to do that someday, you know? I, I was dyslexic in school, so I hated school. I mean, I just... I feared school. Um, and I go, okay, I'm going to become a pro wrestler. And everybody laughed at me. They're like, yeah, right. Started going to the gym, training, doing the martial arts, and uh, grew to be six foot eight. And, uh, you know, I was down in Stu Hart's dungeon there wrestling, and the w- WWF at the time came through, and they recruited me, and I went out to L.A. and started training out there with Red Bastine and the Guerreros. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and uh, then, you know, the rest is history. Wrestled 11 and a half years all over the world. Um, wrestled, got to wrestle Andre the Giant in Japan, wrestled... Wow. Sting, Luger, Flair, all of them, all the big names, and uh, had a great career, over, like I say, over 11 and a half years, and then transitioned into the film. And, and actually, my very first movie that I did, I was wrestling in Mexico, and they go, hey, have any of you guys ever seen any of those Mexican wrestling movies? Whether <laughs> you have. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> they're kind of cheesy, right? Yeah, a little bit. Well, that was the first movie. One of those was the first movie I did. They go, hey, we want you to be in this movie. I was Nitron over there, Nitron. And uh, they go, hey, we're doing this Mexican wrestling movie. I go, cool, but I can't speak Spanish and I can't read Spanish. Don't worry about it. Say whatever you want. It'll be fine. I go, oh, okay. You know, we're going to dub it anyhow. (laughs) Uh, So then... I'm doing this movie. Okay, you got to picture this. This is in the 80s, right? 80s, 90s, somewhere in there. Early 80s, early 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. I played an intergalactic vampire with big padded shoulders. Uh, I had three midget sidekicks, all dressed up as aliens, making 
funny noises. I mean, I don't know what the fuck they were saying. <laughs> and like, blah, 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 blah. I, don't, I don't know, weird, weird stuff. And I had this pink fog that followed me everywhere. <laughs> it was the 80s and 90s. Okay? <laughs> and uh, I remember watching, and I'm, I'm most of the movie wrestling a girl. And she kicks my ass. <laughs> Because she's the intergalactic vampire hunter. Yeah, that's my first movie. And no, I'm not telling you the name of it. <laughs> How did you get snubbed for an Oscar? That, that's I, a travesty. I, I know. I should have got an I'm going to kick you sooner, boy. <laughs> I know. I should have got an Oscar. Yes. I agree. You why, should have. Why? Have you seen the film? <laughs> no, but I think you should have. <laughs> well, if you saw the film, you'd think otherwise. <laughs> Probably not. Apparently. I, I, no, I want a burrito. <laughs> Apparently we have a question. We do have a question. Yeah, I was wondering if you, uh, if there was anything about reprising your saber-tooth role for X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, no. I, I would love to. I would love to uh, reprise that role and, and do saber-tooth uh, justice once again. Um because I think I could go a lot deeper with the character. And, but I'm, I'm just thankful that I had the opportunity to play him and to bring such an iconic character to life. I had so much fun doing it. It was, it was amazing. And that was one of the movies that broke comics right out into movie mainstream, too. Like, yeah, it was one of the ones that kicked it off. Yeah, they had tried it and tried it. And then they actually followed the comic book, and it just blew up. Yeah, well, because Brian Singer, you know, he was a big fan and everything, and... and uh, uh, Tom DeSanto, one of the producers, was he's such a nerd and comic book geek. I mean, you'd go into his office and there'd be like all the toys, <laughs> everything in there. That so you're so like, be okay, my we're in good hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have an office just like that. Yeah, you know? And that's what it seems to be. The people of our generation growing up are now the people that are running most of the production companies and the, the scripting. So a lot of that is now leaking in. Yeah. The things that we love. Yeah. Well, like Kevin Feige, for example, who is running Marvel now and producing all those top things, he, he was like an assistant on the first X-Men. You was know? He? I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was just like, damn, now he's running the place. <laughs> yes. Basically, Where did I yeah. go wrong? <laughs> Another question? Another question? While we're on the topic of uh, Sabretooth... How long do you think, like, how long did it take to get all that makeup on? Oh, that was a heck of a process. That took four and a half hours to get into that. It was, it's kind of funny because um, Rebecca would be in makeup for eight hours. And I would come in and start my session with Fudgeo cookies to give her. And she would be like, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, but, yeah, it would take four and a half hours to put the prosthetics on and the chops and, and all of that. And then, and then you put on like a hundred pounds of leather and fur. And you had the contacts in too. Yeah, the contacts. Those were a bitch. Yeah. There's scleros. I mean, I, I wear contacts regularly, but these scleros cover your whole eye. And uh, apparently you're only supposed to wear them for a couple hours at a time and then take them out. Ooh. I had them on one day for 12 hours. Ooh. And they literally sealed to my eyeball. And this was like in the middle of the night. So they're calling the eye doctor, you know, what do we do? What do we do? It felt like railway spikes going into my eyes. So they had to call the, the doctor and they uh, drove me over to the office. And she had to cut the contacts off of my eyes. Oh, yeah. That's pain for your art right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <sighs> needless to say, you know, she said, I told you guys only two hours. <laughs> oh, I Well, they didn't. Two days. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> See, yeah. I was always curious about that because we had our first convention, our mini one, when we tested this. And yep. I bought a pair of zombie contact lenses. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I have not wore them because I can't touch my eyeball. So I couldn't imagine putting in those full... It's, it is a weird feeling. But it looks cool. It does look damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> suffering, suffering for the art. Yes. That's it, yeah. Do we have another question? Yeah, I just want to bring it back to compound fracture. 
Um, over the last 15 years, horror films have really gone downhill, and you see a lot of ghost stories start out as a ghost story and just become some torture, stupid piece of garbage by the end of it. You stuck to what you must have originally planned and just stayed a straight ghost story. Was it hard not to deviate? Um, we, we've pretty much followed the script the way we wanted to. My wife is a stickler. She, she to give you her backstory. She was the editor-in-chief of Top Cow comic books for like 10 years. She worked on Witchblade, Wanted, Fathom, all those books. And then she was with um, Radical and did the Hercules and the Oblivion with Tom Cruise and that. So she's very particular about what she's doing. And when we were going through the whole writing process, I'm like, oh, you know, this would be cool. And she's just like, really? You think that would be cool? No. It, but So I just basically made her write the whole film, and I held the gun to her head and said, write. <laughs> Good choice to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, the way I look at it is it, it's like when you see a good film, it's like peeling an onion. You know, you get all the different layers and see all the different things. And, and one of the comments that we've heard um, from people who have seen Compound Fracture multiple times is they find and see something different every time that they didn't pick up. The first time or the second time or the third time. So, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to entertain and, and not, you know, deviate, like you say, and go into some crazy crap. We wanted a kind of reality-based. And, and the whole reason why I wanted to do uh, a supernatural thriller is um, when my father passed away, my mother and my brother and I were sitting in our living room, and we go, we're going to be okay. And the lights in the kitchen turned off. No, they were on. They were, they were off. They turned on and off, on and off, on and off. And that just kind of stuck with me. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys are believers or not, but... When that happened to me, and, and they were big fluorescent lights, so I know that there's some kind of energy and some kind of a some something. And that's why we wanted to kind of follow that and stick to that instead of going way into another whole different dimension. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think that's one of the reasons I liked it, too. I, I have a similar thing with my father. When he passed away, he was in an accident in his truck that should have killed him. Like, if you see the truck, wow. it's destroyed. And he walked away with a cracked kneecap. But he actually died 49 days after that. Oh, which wow. Which is, he was, he was a month away from 50. So it was how, how old he was. Yeah. And during that time, okay, my father was so disorganized. It was, he was late for his own funeral. Now, that's impressive. That is. He spent that time putting everything he knew about the business into the computer for my stepmother. Right. And it just shocked her beyond belief because, you know, and it, it just seems so weird that all these things fell into place. Like you said, there's got to be that something going on in the yeah, background. I, I mean, I, I totally believe that there's an energy or something out there that's, you know, I mean, I, I just totally believe. But see, that's I mean, I'm not pushing God or anything <laughs> like that because, I mean, I think it's something other than that because, I mean, everything has energy, you know, it's a molecular energy or whatever you want to call it, and it's all... Energy based. No. And also, I love the fact that you had it all focused in on. Why is that feedbacking? There. It's all. Uh, I didn't do it. Based on that symbol. You know, and that's what kept the whole story grounded was that symbol in that house. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it contained, you know, because I mean, like when you're making a film. You're working on budgets, and, and the more you go to different locations, the more you have to change locations and deal with dragging everybody all over the place. It costs a lot more money, you know, so we decided to contain it into that one house pretty much and, and just keep it simple, stupid, you know, and that's... It worked. That we start, my production company, we start filming in June for our next little picture, and it's all in one house. It's the same thing, you know, keep it in one location. Yeah, it's, it's the easiest way, you know, because then you're, the people that are working on the film can't get lost once they've found that location yeah. the first time. You're We're going to be here for the next month. We know you know where it is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Although we did have one person that couldn't find the set. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. She was our wardrobe lady. She was a piece of work. <laughs> well, obviously she got there eventually. Yes. 
We have another question. Um, what do you think was your most hardest or most painful costume you had to take on, put on, or take off? Oh boy, that that would have to be uh, probably the, the saber tooth one. It'd take four about four and a half hours to put it on, but boy, I'd just rip it off every <laughs> night. Still take about an hour to get cleaned up and get all the glue and everything off of me. It's not as glamorous as people think, but it looked cool. I think so. And then to Michael Myers, it was just... Michael Myers was the best because, I mean, they molded that to my head and it was literally stick it on, put it on, pull it off. Nice. You know, I, I would... Rob was going to make a compilation of how many, how quick I could get my mask off after each take. Because <laughs> oh, really? it was hot. Yeah, it's like he'd yell cut and I'd be like, oh, get that thing off of me. Well, see, that's what I asked too. What's it like working with Rob Zombie? Because I've come to love his work. Rob is a fantastic guy. He, he knows what he wants. And as a director, I think what makes him a really good director is he's an entertainer himself. So he understands give the actor their space. Let them do their thing. And then if you need to channel it and, and you know, tweak, you can do that then. So, Very cool. I, yeah. I heard him tell a story. Um, I, they were filming the scene where you're approaching, um, I think it was the strip club in, in Halloween, and he wasn't sure what to do. You're supposed to take a guy down, and he wasn't sure what to do, and you, you suggested the choke slam. And the stunt guy took it on the on the pavement, no problem. It just just a solid hit. Was that Derek Mears? No, that was not. <laughs> just no, the way you said he took the shot in compound fracture, I was wondering if it was the same guy. Yeah, no, no, no. It was a totally different guy. But yeah, I, you know, I said, well, you know, I could do this to him, choke slam him, and and the the stunt guy was like, yeah, do it to me. I'm like, <laughs> okay, if you want it, you got it, you know. And then the funny thing is, too, in the uh, in the strip club, the the stunt coordinator was like, "Oh, well, you got to do something more, a little more vicious, right?" And I did another choke slam on the um, couch in there, type really? of thing. Yeah, that, well, that was in number two, I think. Yeah, that the, yeah. yeah, did another one in there, and I was going through it. I, I think we did that one probably first. I was going through it. You go through it half speed because, I mean, I don't need to go. You know, the guy was trying to tell me how to do it. I go, I wrestled for 11 and a half years. I think I know how to do a choke slam. <laughs> it was one of my finishing moves. And he goes, well, you got to, you know, you got to do this. I go, oh. And he was telling me what to do. Rob goes, oh, boy, this one's on. This is on. <laughs> He's like, okay, roll camera. <laughs> I got that guy. I choke slammed him so hard we broke the couch. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and the guy was just like, "I go, are you okay?" Afterwards, he goes, "Yeah, that was good. Thanks." <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to do another one? A little faster, maybe? He goes, "No, no, that's good. That's good. Good thing you was rolling." <laughs> and then you, yeah, then you, you know, you go to the camera guys. He goes, "You get it?" You know, I always ask them if they got it, and if they give you the thumbs up. You're good. It's time to go back to the trailer. <laughs> so now you said you did your uh, Mexican mist movie. Yes. <laughs> what got you into acting after that? What was your next role like? To oh man, I, I was with the uh, NWA uh, or the WCW. NWA turned into the WCW. The WCW, and I was getting ready to leave my second time, and. They were doing a sequel to, or, or a TV series, Smoking the Bandit. Did you ever see any of that? I, I haven't seen it. I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It was My episode was Bandit Ghost Country or something like that. And that was the second one I did. And they go to one of the tall, blonde wrestler. And, you know, one of the guys in the promotion goes, well, you know, Tyler's going to be available because he's getting ready to leave and then going to go to Japan after that. So I went in and met with them. And being a dyslexic kid, I didn't read the whole script. And in that script, it's I'm chasing around a bear the whole time. I'm like, why the hell would I be chasing a fucking bear? <laughs> Turns out it's a wooden bear. <laughs> and it was a statue. So I was like, okay, cool. That's when I learned you read the whole script. <laughs> Not just what you got to say. How, how difficult is it to chase a wooden bear? 
That just, it, it doesn't sound very difficult. It, well, there were other people involved taking uh, the bear, like uh, the bandit. Okay, got it. Get it? Right, I get it. Yes. <laughs> All right, good. All right. He's a little slow over oh, there. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know how we have that equal opportunity employment? He's our special one. Wow. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling the love in the room. <laughs> and it's all for you. <laughs> I know. When we first started contacting you about this, I did actually, yeah. I started looking back at your IMDb page and found out you did an episode of Party of Five. Yes. Yes. And I actually got to watch it. And I thought oh, it was ironic cool. because your character was Mr. Mayhem. Yes. And it struck me as funny because I'm a big Sons of Anarchy fan. And Mr. Mayhem, of course, is when they're going to kill somebody. So I was like, yeah, i got to watch this episode. <laughs> How did you get involved in that? Like, what, what made them pull you into that show? Oh, God, I, I don't even know how that happened. They just called and, and um, said, would you like to do this episode of Party of Five? And, of course, I never watched Party of Five. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is that show about? Why would you want me? But... But then it, you know, it worked out and uh, got to meet those guys. And I run into Scotty Grimes every once in a while and see him and some of the other guys, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Well, I yeah. know Tim came to pick you up, one of our committee members. And when we found out Tim was going, I had just watched that episode. It's like, okay, Tim, you're picking him up. You need to watch this episode. Yeah, he said that. <laughs> <laughs> he said you wanted me. He wanted him to call me Mister Mayhem or something. <laughs> what? No, that was that wasn't me. That was Jason. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey! <laughs> yeah. So it looks like X Men was what gave you your big push. Yeah, when I did X Men, I hung up the wrestling boots. I said, "I'm done with the wrestling," and transitioned into the film because they take better care of you. They don't want to drop you on your head, and they feed you well. That is a plus. You know, when you're six eight, you eat a lot. So I was like. <laughs> Heck yeah, you know, and well, and it was a, it was a great production, you know, and I had a lot of fun, and it was a great learning experience to work with, you know, guys like Ian McKellum, Alan Barry, all of them, all the of them, you know, and, and Ian, Ian was just fantastic working with Sir Ian, man. He he's like, so, so I mean, can you give me some acting tips and stuff? He goes, less is more, my dear boy, less is more. And make sure you check for boogers, because <laughs> on the big screen, you're 75 feet. And that's one big booger. <laughs> and the funny thing is, we were at, uh, on Ellis Island, we did the premiere. And I was sitting behind Ian and Patrick and them. And uh, there's one spot... Where he has a booger. Really? And he turns around and he goes, See what I mean, my dear boy? <laughs> That's a big fucking booger. <laughs> and I go, Fair enough. I will always check. <laughs> oh my God, that's priceless. So at the premiere, now I got to ask now, is that still in the film or did that get cut out? I don't know. I mean, like, if you know, if you see any shot in any movie looking up anybody's nose, you could find a booger. You, you never know. You i got to go home and check now. I just, <laughs> with that kind of story, i got to find it now. You know, no, knowing that it's Ian, he may go, um, you need to edit that. <laughs> it's got to be gone. Yeah. Now, if I said edit it, they'd go, piss off. <laughs> but if you've got a sir before your name, they're going to do what you want. That carries a lot of weight. It, a lot of weight. Yes. Now, I'm going to ask you, we're back to Rob Zombie for just a second. Your first movie with him, would that be Devil's Rejects? That was Devil's Rejects, yeah. It was, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I never met Rob before filming because he likes to see his actors on tape. And I did a audition on tape and, and thought nothing of it. And uh, little did I know, he was getting rid of the Rufus from the first one and changing over. And um, I get the call to play Rufus. 
and it was just in the opening credits. And I'm like, I, I go, ah, oh, well, okay, I'm going to work four days on this. I'm going to, you know, what the heck? So I agreed to it. And the funny thing is the sound guys had monitors there and were playing Rob Zombie videos. You know, like he's got the dreadlocks and he's whipping his hair around. And then I'd, I'd look from there and then I'd look over here and Rob would be sitting in his director's chair and he'd be like, okay, well, what if we tighten that screen and put a little, you know, and um, and I look back over there and there's dreadlocks whipping and he's so concentrated and focused. I'm like, this is surreal shit here, <laughs> you know? And the sound guy looks at me and goes, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, I wonder if we can get him to freak out and start whipping his dreadlocks around. I go, I'm not going to screw up like that. If you want to, you know, turn the sound off or something, go for it. <laughs> Ain't going to be me. He sounds like he's very different on set. Yeah, like, he's, he is so laid back and such a cool dude, man. And working with Rob, fantastic. Fantastic. I agree with what you said. It's because he it must be because he's an entertainer. Like he knows what the people want. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and, and he just lets you do your thing. And and I mean, have, has anybody in here seen one of Rob Zombie's concerts live? If you get a chance, you got to go see him. He is high energy from the beginning to the end, and just crazy. I, I mean, I've been to a few concerts of his, you know, and he comes out with that mask and I was backstage and I was walking away and I hadn't seen Rob and they were coming out, him and John Five were coming out of the dressing room and they got the powder all over him and dreadlocks and the hat and I mean it looked really menacing and he goes hey Tyler, pulls down his thing and you see this white <laughs> I'll see you after the show right, we're gonna have a beer in the dressing room, I go cool but and then he goes on stage and he's just this animal, you know? I mean, I said to him, I said, I wouldn't get a quarter of the way through one of your songs without having to lay down on the ground and suck wind because, I mean, he's just like a, he's like a jackrabbit on this. Really? <laughs> he's, he's running everywhere. And, I mean, he puts on a hell of a show. Great show. So if you get a chance to see Rob Zombie in concert, check him out. Excellent. Now, you mentioned you do have Penance Lane coming up. That yes. hasn't started filming yet? No, we haven't started filming it. Some of our funding ended up falling out. The thing with when you're producing a film, the hardest parts are raising the funds to make the film. So we've got about half raised now. We're talking to other investors and, and uh, going to be filming it hopefully this fall. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And now, and again, I noticed you changed your look too. That was actually for a music video, right? Uh, well, it was changed. I wanted to just look like you, man. See, that's what I tell everybody. Yeah, okay. see, don't we look alike? That's, you know. I said, yeah, since the interview, look at this. He did this. This is. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I was actually back in Canada over New Year's and uh, back home in Saskatchewan and we got to doing some drinking and my buddy's wife is a stylist. So I was going to get a trim job and it's been a little thin on top and I was a little drunk she trimmed it. She goes, oh, that looks really good. I go, yeah, it's still thin on top. Just shave it. She goes, what? I go, just shave it. So we shaved it in their basement, and I came upstairs to the party, and everybody's like, holy shit. Well, but, you know. You had long hair. I did have long hair, yeah. Yeah. But it's a new look. It's uh, making me a little more edgier. I want to be edgy like you, man. Edgy's the wing. Edgy's the thing. Edgy is not a word I would describe, Rob. What? No. Buddy. You didn't know. No, no we way. friends. <laughs> Boy, he just burst your bubble. That's right. Got to take my shots when I can. I don't get them very often. So now... Well, this guy knows what we're talking about, and there's another one back there, right? Yeah, see? There we go. Mm -hmm. Supporters. It's a club. You got to join the club. <laughs> we're going to get Jason later once he's drunk. Now, when and you besides, have, I found out Rogaine didn't work, so I'm <laughs> like, eh, if I can shave yeah. it. That, that may be my reason, too. I don't know. <laughs> I, got a, I got a question. Because um, I always remember uh, your, your spot in um, Joe Dirt with David Spade. Yes. That's got to be the closest you've ever done to actually working with small children, right? Because he's a tiny guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, he is actually a tiny guy. And, and thank goodness, because I had to pick him up over my head after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, he, is he like the type that's always on, though? Or is he, when the cameras are rolling, he's on, and as soon as the camera's done, he's quiet and... Yeah, there, quiet and laid back. Yeah? I, he always... I don't know. I, he always struck me as the type that might always be on, always riffing, always being funny. No, no, he was... No? You know, I, I mean, from the time that I spent with him, he was, you know, laid back and doing his thing, getting ready for the next thing. Of course, you know, it was when I was getting ready to beat the hell out of him. So, <laughs> so he's probably scared. And, yeah, he was probably thinking, why the hell did I sign up to do this? <laughs> wow. Well, but was... I'm probably the only guy that uh, dies in a film by peeing on a fire. <laughs> that is some toxic piss, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> That's pure Jack Daniels burning up there. I was going to say, there's not much call for the sequel. If not for my character. No. <laughs> now, I could be Chard Boy or something. <laughs> yeah. No, you thought Sabretooth had makeup. Yeah, right? No. With your own production company, do you still do other projects? Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, three other projects that I've signed up to do uh, later on this year. So, you know. Keeping busy. Trying to, trying to. That's what it's all about, you know. That's good. And then coming out here and doing things like this. This is this has been amazing that you've been able to come out here and help us do this to to raise money for big brothers and big sisters and. Oh, hey, it's been a lot of fun, you know. And, and uh, the highlight of my day is going to be when I get to kick him in the nuts. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> He's. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said I could do it last night at the party. So I'm like <laughs> Jason does have another punishment coming to him, and I think we might have to combine them. Oh, because Jason has insulted my friend Bear. He's an SEA heavy fighter. And we're going oh. to do, he would, Bear was going to do a helmet test. <laughs> so basically, what the helmet test is we take one of the helmets, put it on. And you hit it with a sword. Yeah. I think Bear has indicated that maybe you should be the one swinging the sword this time. No, oh, not at the same oh, time. No same way. Time. <laughs> no, I need some breathing room in between. We'll be ringing both bells there. <laughs> no, okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to be doing the Canadian version of Jackass here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was just something I wanted to see. That's what right, I'm thinking. Man, that was that was all in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have a question? Question. How'd you end up working on Son of the Beach? How was it working on Son of the Beach? How'd you end up? How, how'd how you did end up? I end up? Yeah, how'd you get the job on that? Um, I actually went in and auditioned for that, not knowing what the heck it was. And then uh, ended up getting it and do, doing two episodes of it, you know. And, and uh, funny thing about that is we were filming out on the beach all day, and I had that logo on my forehead. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, you know where this is going. <laughs> and uh, I had a major premiere that night. It looked bad. <laughs> I would not take any pictures. But it was a lot of fun doing that with the Miso Honey or whatever the heck it was. I don't know. That's, it seems like you're picking fun roles, you know. Like. Well, you have to, you know. My motto is I want to enjoy what I'm doing. Otherwise, I don't want to be there, you know. Yes. So. Was it like that working on Compound Fracture? Like Compound Fracture, by far, is the, I had the most fun working on a picture. It was the most grueling because, you know, as the producer and acting in it, we had long, long days, both my wife and I. Sometimes we'd only get like an hour or two hours of sleep at night. And then you're up the next morning and we were like, we're making a movie. It was just so much fun and so cool because we knew we had control of it and we were going to make it the way we wanted it. Because as an actor, you go in, you do your scenes and you're done. You have no control over it and they can do whatever they want to it. And, and um, sometimes they get it wrong and butcher it, you know, but uh, it was it, fantastic doing that. That's excellent. Now, again, every, the world's all sequels. 
Is there any chance of something coming out after that? Like a two? We, well, we do have a sequel in mind if uh, you know if it's supported enough and and does well enough. So uh, you know, go on Facebook and Twitter and support if you liked it. And uh, we got copies for sale if you want it for your collection at uh, my table over there. And uh, you know, help support indie film. Absolutely. This is something you got to take home. Like I said, I just watched it three times. I'll probably watch it again tomorrow because I got nothing going on tomorrow. After well, there you go. Yes. Yeah, so uh, definitely I'll be watching it again. Is there any other questions? Come on. Yeah, come on, on over. It's not, like, it's not like we wouldn't hear you in this room, but, but you know, it's just, it's more, it's more. This is professional. Yes. <laughs> So yes. about, about the film, uh, what was the budget, location, and uh, production time? Uh, budget was just under half a mil. Location was 10 miles from my house. Is in, in the States? In, yep. I uh, live in L.A. now, and uh, we found a place on the 126. I live up by Magic Mountain, and I said, the funny thing is, you know, as a kid growing up, you go, I got to go to Hollywood. I got to go make a movie. I want to, you know. And then when you get there, you're only there auditioning or meeting with people, and then they ship you somewhere else completely, you know, like Malta or wherever. And uh, I said, I want to do our first picture at home. So it worked out. We were 10 miles from our house, which was really nice. And uh, I think we did about 18 days of total shooting and then two days of pickup shots. Okay. Right, so and then the what was the that, other question? No, that was it. Like, oh. the, the, so you had about twenty days production time, but after that, like, how much did you do in post? Like, I mean, was there a lot after the fact for that? Or yeah, I mean, like the, the whole post process is takes a long time um, from the editing. Our director did an edit, and then I had uh, Glenn Garland, who edited the Halloweens and has done tons of stuff, come into my house where I had an editing bay. And uh, he edited it for another week. Then you have to put the score together yep. uh, and all of that. And um, Ear Candy Post did my sound design. That took a little while. They did, uh, they've done Red State, Juno. They did the Halloween yeah, movies. That's exactly what I was saying. I, I asked him, I said, did you see Red State? Because I said that was phenomenal and that was just what I thought. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, it's yeah. exactly what I saw. Yeah, yeah and and I mean they did they did an amazing job with the sound design. Um, they ran 186 tracks on it, and, which is a lot. And, and if you do have a surround sound system at home, the sound design is just amazing. Yeah, it's really seamless too. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then for the for the scoring of it, we had um, a buddy of mine, Tyler Bates had one of his guys work with him on it, and he kind of oversaw the whole process. And then for the ending, um, George Lynch wrote that ending song, the guitar song, and then uh, buddy of mine, Cal Kellett, uh, kicked in some music, and, and uh, Kelly's Lot kicked in some music. So it uh, it's just pulling together a bunch of friends and putting it together. But the... The post took a long time. Yeah, and with it, like with the directing and stuff, you knew what you wanted to see because you were you were the writer producer and stuff with this whole thing, right? The thing is, yeah. like, did you give the director a lot of freedom when you were doing it, or were you kind of there saying, "I really want to redo this we, one we, part because I didn't like it"? We we kept control of a lot of it because it was a first time director. Yep. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, like anytime you do a film like this, you know you they're your baby and you nurse them through and yep. you'd love to see something different in some things you know like we're both my wife and i go oh we should have done this or could have done this differently you know but i said honey is it it's gotten to the teenage state now we're kicking it out of the house don't worry about it mm -hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's because yeah, it's tough because the thing is you're standing in front of the camera you know what you want to see and then you're not yeah. standing behind it to be able to see it, right? Because I know that a little while back, Jason Muse kind of took off from, from Kevin Smith, and he did the same thing. Like, he tried to make one, and then he was directing at the same time, though. So he's 
driving off and doing a scene, and then he'd come back and be like, oh, I didn't get it right, you know? And it's really frustrating. Like, that, yeah. that was the thing. And then in the end, I mean, you, you saw what you had, and for the most part, it was uh, like you're running, like, what, like 22-hour days or 20-hour days? Yeah, about that, about that. So but you'd only have your actors for eight hours, so you have to plan yep. it all around and, and deal with it because of the unions and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. So, but it was interesting. But if you're ever making a film, I suggest have a playback monitor and make sure you get the shots. Yeah, every time, right? Every time. <laughs> make sure you got what you want. <laughs> we, uh, our company learned that the hard way. Yeah, it, yeah, because especially if you're renting locations and things like that, like that house. The, the funny thing about that house is um, it is part of Newhall uh, Film and Land and, and NCIS. They, they have like 26,000 acres with, I think, 16 or 18 houses on it and, and it's orchards and everything. And that house was actually their CEO's house from the 70s. He ended up getting fired and then nobody had lived in that house since like the 70s or early 80s. Really? And they'd have a cleaning crew come in and clean the house every week, but they wouldn't let anybody film in there. And I somehow talked them into letting us film in there. Wow. And uh, we, we got it for a fairly reasonable price. And the funny thing is, if, if you're doing that, they make you put up a big deposit because usually movie sets will trash the places and stuff like that. Well, we tore out the, the lousy carpet, put in, like, hardwood flooring and stuff like that and and really did it right, you, you know? Increased the value. Increased the value. <laughs> and um, they had to actually give us our deposit back. And the guy goes, I, I don't know how to do that. I've never had to do that before. I said, well, it's simple. You get out your damn checkbook like I did for you. You write me a check, and then we're good. He goes, I'll have to run that past the, the organization because I, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can. <laughs> so in that house, that panic room that uh, yeah. Muse Watson had, was that actually part of the house, or was that just a separate set? That are our... Uh, production designer designed all of that. They came in. It, we had the house for the 18 days. We The first scenes that we filmed, and they wouldn't let us in the house to build anything beforehand. So the first scenes for the first part of the morning, we were out shooting the, the truck scenes at the road and seeing, you know, seeing the ghost and the kid walking through the woods and that's one part we wanted to do a little bit differently, but um, so we did that. And they, were, while we were out filming that, they were building the panic room and designing it and hauling all the because the house was completely bare. There was nothing in it. Oh, okay. They drove up with a couple of trucks and, and stuff and and started just filling it <laughs> and making it look like the set, like the the uh, the chair that. Um, uh, Muse Dyson in the end. That was my personal massage chair. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we had a lot of our own stuff in there, and, and everybody just kind of kicked in, and, you know, we're like, oh, that would look cool. Can we use it? Yeah, just bring it back, you know. That's, yeah, when it's your production, you do a lot of that. You do a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, we uh, were actually screening for the first time one of the movies that we did. It's just finally got completed. We two of the actors are actually here. William Lumsden and Corey Chaney. Uh, it's oh, been almost cool. two years since we did the actual filming. But yeah. when we were doing it, it's like, oh, my sister, can I use your house? We need a location. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I, Yeah, indie filmmaking, man, it's guerrilla-style filmmaking because you got to do that because yeah. you don't have... I mean, like, I've worked on a lot of big-budget films, you know, X-Men, Troy, you know, Scorpion King. And you see a production like that, going into like $175 million. I mean, it's like they just take the money, put it in the middle of the street, pour gasoline on it, light it on fire, and see how much they can get out of it before it burns up. You know, it's just the stuff that you do on a big-budget film, it's just crazy. I mean, I did not complain about getting steak and lobster at lunch. <laughs> I did not complain once. <laughs> but... You know, that's the kind of things. What did the budget turn out being for Compound Fracture? Just just under half mil. That's amazing. Yeah. Like you said, with these major budget movies, like... Yeah. That's unreal. 
It all depends on what you spend the actual money on. Yeah, I mean, there, there are certain things that I will not skimp on, that you can't skimp on. First of all, your, your talent, you need good talent. Second of all, sound design is key. Because a lot of productions had, well, even like for X-Men, for uh, Halloween 2, we filmed that in Georgia, and they were trying to be cheap and hired a different sound company from local from Georgia that had done, you know, the WCW events and stuff like that. Well, that's a whole different ballgame than filming a movie. And they didn't want to pay to have the original sound guys come out, and Rob was so pissed off about that. We did like a week of shooting, and they screwed up the tracks so badly oh. that they ended up flying the crew out. Rob called them and said, hey, get your butt out here. And they go, okay, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> it would have <laughs> you know? cost less you just to do it right the first time. Do it right the first time. You know. So, so the acting, the sound design, and in post with the, the editing and the, the scoring and all of that, those are very important. You need the music, the feel, absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the big things I dislike about the found footage, like assembled footage films. You yeah. can't have a soundtrack. Right. It's all just videotape. And it's very hard to get into one of those kind of films. Um, yeah. One of the films we were supposed to show today is called Infliction. Uh, a friend of ours, Jack Thomas Smith, directed it. And it's the same thing. It's a found footage film. And he hated it because you can't have a soundtrack. Yeah. You need that music to get into the feel of the scene. So when it starts to creep up, you know something's going to happen. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, then he should have just had the cameraman doing something. You know, well, like in Jaws, he could have gone, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't know. It could have worked, right? I don't know. He, he snuck it in. You gotta give it a shot at least. What the hell? <laughs> he snuck it in a little bit. Whenever he had a car scene, he'd always have the radio on, so then he could play whatever he wants because the radio's on. There you go. Yes. Jaws had a GoPro on its head. That's how they did that. Oh, is that how they yeah, did that? The first GoPro. <laughs> first GoPro. I read it on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I think we've kept you for the hour. Yes, we have. Uh, I do appreciate you coming out here and answering questions for us and letting us screen your movie. That was amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to do it. Glad Thank to you. do it. And I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope this was entertaining. Uh, if anybody has any questions, we got maybe time for one more question. Anybody? Nobody? Nope. There oh, you go. here comes one. He was waiting. Dramatic pause. <laughs> I was going to say fine. Nobody wants anything. <laughs> Yeah. For the uh, Michael Myers, uh, how much input did you have, you know, as opposed to getting directed to portray him? Oh, I had I had quite a bit. It, it, it's funny because um, I was in Toronto. No, I was in Vancouver getting ready to talk to producers about another film when the phone rang and it was Rob Zombie on the phone. And that's one call you want to take, right? Yeah. So before I walked into the other production, Rob called and goes, hey um, – I, I, you know, a lot of people associate me with horror, but I mean, I, I, I've seen a lot of horror and I know a little bit about it, but I'm not, I wasn't really up on it, you know? So he goes, okay, I'm, I'm doing Halloween and I want you to play Michael Myers. I go, oh, Rob, man, I don't want to be the guy behind a hockey mask. He goes, wrong movie, dumbass. Oops. Okay, so that was a great start. He goes, no, we're going to tell the backstory and we're going to make it, you know. And he says, I want an actor to play it. I want you to play it so that we can bring Mike to life um, and make him more than a one-dimensional character. And I was like, you know, that sounds cool. We're going to do all of this. And then when we'd get ready for the kills, he knew I knew what I was doing. So he says, okay, how do you want to kill him? You know, we need to do this and, and do this and use this and, and end up over here. So, you know, every morning Rob and I just walk through, you know, if we're killing in the barn, if we're killing in the strip club, wherever <laughs> we're killing, we'd go and, and talk about it. And, uh, you know, he'd just say, like, what do you think? You know, it, and that's what I loved about that because you have the free reign and not put in that pigeonhole. Of, okay, you got to do it just like this. You know, so 
Did that answer your question? It sort did. Of? <laughs> it did? Okay, good. There we go. And see, I know when when Halloween was originally announced, I was really nervous because that is one of my favorite franchises of all time. You know, Michael Myers, the supernatural killer. And then I heard that they were going to tell us He's a product backstory. of his environment. He's not a supernatural killer. Well, if you look at it in the old, like the John Carpenter one. Oh, you're one of those guys, are yeah, you? Yeah, I was until I saw this one. Okay, good. Okay. I was gonna have to, wow. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, you, you just about handed off your kick to him. <laughs> Just about. Damn it. You gotta let me finish. Now, you know, if John Carpenter was here, he'd be switching sides again, right? No, no. Maybe. You, <laughs> you never know. But see, to me, that franchise ended with four. Because they had one and two, then they did the weird thing with three. Yeah, what at three? Season of the Witch or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I haven't even seen that one. It's like Michael Myers doesn't appear in it. It's like, no, what it's, the hell? It was an interesting story. It just had no business being a part of that franchise. Right. So then in four, they brought him back. And at the very end, Danielle Harris, because she was in the, the new ones too. That must have been awesome working with her. She was the little girl in there. And at the end, they basically handed the torch to her. They killed off Michael. And she attacked her stepmom at the end in the clown suit. And to me, that kind of makes it a full circle. Which was awesome because yeah. it's all supernatural. Yeah. Well, you're the one that said it's supernatural, so you can't kill Michael Myers. So, no. There you go. Michael Myers is now her. The the thing that was. Oh, I yeah. get it. I but then I'm just messing with you. Yeah. But then what? But then, <laughs> but then what? Then go on. You came Please along. go on. You came along. Yes. And you took him and made him a person. Which was phenomenal because when they said they're going to do his backstory, it's like, okay, what can they do? Well, then you made him a person. You made him a, like a real person. You know, he wasn't getting shot 85 times and then sitting back up. Right. You know, and all that He's stuff. He's a product of his environment. Yeah. yeah all that stuff Crazy in the asylum. That, yeah. The beginning with uh, Deg. Deg, yeah. Oh, my God. That, that made him a real person, which totally changed the story to me. You know, yeah. and that made me fall in love with it huge. And you're acting like, because you act without talking. Right. Which is very hard. Very hard to do, yeah. You know, a lot of people, I don't know if they fully understand exactly how hard it is to show emotion while saying not a word. While wearing a mask. Yes, hidden by hair. Tough. <laughs> Most badass mime ever. What did he say? Best mime ever. Oh, best mime. Badass. Badass. Mime it's back ever. to you, dude. You said mime. That's all. That's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Tyler. I'm reconsidering that kick now. You might be off the hook with that one. <laughs> Tell you what, we'll talk to him for a second, Jay Run. <laughs> Thank I'm you not again. Afraid. My I pleasure. Really appreciate you being here, and I hope you guys were enjoyed. Thank, Thank you, you guys for coming out. Thank you for watching Compound Fracture. And thank you all for being part of the 100th episode of the Movie Madhouse podcast. Yes, that too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. What we're a gonna, plug for yes, that, right? <laughs> just jab that in there. We're going to Tyler back out to the table so he can mingle again and make sure you guys go out and see him. Okay? Right. Thanks a lot for being here. Thanks, folks. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, 
Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaysamon.com. 